HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hello and welcome back to Heritage Radio Network on tour. I'm Kat Johnson and today we are broadcasting live from the Slow Food Nation's Taste Marketplace right in downtown Denver. We're at the corner of Larimer Street and 14th Street. If you're in Denver, come on down and say hello to us. If you're not in Denver, you can tune in live at heritageradionetwork.org live all day today, Saturday and tomorrow, Sunday. Right now, I am joined by our second guest of the day, Rihanna Kowalsik. She is the Associate Director of the National Sustainable Agriculture Coalition, also known as NSAC. Welcome, Rihanna. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. So, um, so Rihanna, you work with a team of expert policy and grassroots staff to elevate the voices of family farmers and to leverage federal policy as a catalyst through which to make agriculture more sustainable. So, can you talk a little bit about that? I think... You've mentioned that your work is kind of a translation. Yeah. What does that mean, and and, and what's, like, your day-to-day like? So I'm sort of the woman in the middle of two really amazing teams. Um, My background is in public policy, and I sort of came originally from that world, and then I spent many years in New York City working for a a chef-led nonprofit and working with kids. So I've seen sort of both sides of that coin, and... um, also did a lot of work in journalism, so I have that sort of writing um, eye. And what I do day to day is sort of take all the amazing information that our policy team pulls together and try to translate it in a way that um, regular people can can get behind it and feel motivated and feel informed and, and not to water it down at all, but really just to reframe it in a way that's accessible so that we can both be talking um, on the inside to congressional offices or to our members who are super informed. And then we can be talking to like a person that is new to this and just wants to get an idea of what's going on without um, reading like a hundred page research paper. And you were involved in the Slow Food Leadership Summit yesterday. Yeah. So what were, what were some of the things you participated in? Uh, so I was there the whole day. It was a long and beautiful day that was uh, rounded out at the end by Slow Food Turtle Island, which was such an impactful um, way to end and really re-sort of focusing all of us and grounding all of us um, for the next couple of days. But I participated in the delegate portion in the morning and was on a panel with some of my uh, friends from the Slow Food USA Policy Committee. Um, so we were there talking with a Denver farmer, uh, Fatima, who was an amazing addition. And we sort of tried in vain to cover um, the gamut of 
really um, top-notch policy issues folks might want to know about right now. And my friend um, and committee member Kevin Scribner represented the slow fish portion, and the rest of us were sort of all the terrestrial folks. So we got to talk to a really full room of slow food advocates who were super engaged and had great questions. And um, some of the feedback we've gotten so far has been really good. So I think it uh, was helpful, and, and hopefully it let some folks know how they can sort of slot in and engage when it comes to either the farm bill or on the fish side, uh, Magnus and Stevens Act. So let's talk about the farm bill a little bit. Yeah. For people who have not been keeping up and don't know like where we stand with the farm bill, can you kind of give us like a farm bill 101? Uh, how much do we have? Like a three hours? We have a couple. <laughs> we have a, a little bit of time for that. Um, so maybe I should just start from the 10,000 foot and like what even is it? Yeah, let's, let's do okay. it. All right, so the Farm Bill comes around if things are going uh, on schedule, which they never are, every five years. Mm -hmm. And it's a multi, hundreds of billions of dollars of money for um, many different food and farm practices. Uh, The last Farm Bill had 12 titles. It looks like this one will also have 12 titles. So it covers everything. I mean, I think folks think, oh, it's a Farm Bill. And maybe on the pessimistic side, they think, oh, it's just for that big soy and corn farmers out in the, in the middle of the country, and it does nothing to do with me. Um, but really, it's for all farmers, and it covers things like energy, forestry, local food programs, beginning farmer and rancher programs, um, conservation, which is super important to us at NSAC, uh, research programs, organic ag. Uh, it does have commodity subsidies and crop insurance, but really, every single thing about the way you eat, including the cost of your food, um, the health of your farmers' markets, whether or not um, you know farmers near you can bring their product to market easily, all of that is affected by the farm bill. So it's a kind of a big deal. Yes, it is. <laughs> and what, what's like the current status of the farm bill in in Congress right now? Yeah. So the farm bill starts in each house with the agriculture committees, and they go through um, their debates. I won't get into detail, but essentially starts in the House, starts in the Senate, and then they meet to try and conference the bill. So that's where we're at right now. Um, Both the House and the Senate have passed their versions of the Farm Bill, and now the Agriculture Committee leadership on both sides, so on the... um, on the Senate and on the House will get together and decide who do they want in addition to themselves in their conference committee. And they'll take the first cut at mashing up these two very, very different bills, and then they'll bring it back to uh, the full chambers and try to get a final agreement. But they, that leadership sort of committee, um, conference committee, will start things off. Cool. Um, besides, obviously, the Farm Bill is the one big policy right now that everyone's kind of focusing on. But other than that, what are some other initiatives that INSAC is involved with? With lobbying? Uh, I mean, we are really all Farm Bill all yeah. the time. There's, there's no, it's not, the Farm Bill is, um, you could think of the Farm Bill as just a tent for, uh, you know, 50,000 policies and bills and programs. So, so it's not just one thing that we work on, the Farm Bill. It's all these 12 titles and all the programs within them and all the details of all the programs and all the titles under the Farm Bill. So it's, it's a lot. Um, that's not to say there aren't other things happening. I mean, um, the appropriation cycle, that's where we um, congressional appropriators divvy up the money for um, everything, including food and farm programs. So that happens every year, and we um, are active in that every year, no matter what. But in a farm bill, you know, farm bill year or farm bill years, depending on how things are going, it's really, it, it absorbs pretty much all of our capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So can you talk a little bit more about how NSAC works in conjunction with Slow Food and any specific programs, um, you know, whether that's what you're doing here this weekend? Yeah, I'm, so I'm sort of here wearing a bunch of different hats, and that's just sort of a byproduct of how I came to this movement, how I came to this work, and things that I've held on to and new things that I found along the way. Um, so I started out in Slow Food New York City um, and eventually... Uh, worked there or was participating there as the, the co-chair for the policy committee. So that's how I first got into Slow Food. And I've been with NSAC for about two and a half years. So when I came to DC to join NSAC, I brought my Slow Foodieism with me, um, got actually even a little more involved. And because I was working on federal stuff, um, was uh, honored to be asked to join the National Policy Committee and um, sort of help uh, inform and drive Slow Food USA's uh, stance on national policies. And then I'm also on the board for Slow Food DC, my chapter. So I'm here sort of wearing all of those hats. And um, Slow Food New York City is actually a member of NSAC. So NSAC is a coalition. We have over 120 members across the country that our, our grassroots team works very hard to, you know, there's not very many of them and there's a lot of members and they, they do a great job. Um, so Slow Food New York City is one of those members and that's sort of like a, a third point in which we would liaise. So I am on the policy committee and then we also have Slow Food New York City as a member and so they're engaged directly that way and it's really um, a really great feedback loop. For someone who, you know, Maybe they're starting to get into food policy. They're seeing the news about the farm bill and yeah. they're trying to like understand it kind of from the ground up. What would you recommend reading? What would you recommend getting involved with yeah. to educate someone more? It's a, it's a lot. It's a, it's a lot to learn. Um, it's such a big bundle. So I kind of say if, if you are looking for a way to engage, it's, it's okay to pick your issue. I think for... Um, for policymakers and for journalists, it's not okay because we really need those folks to understand that the Farm Bill is more than just SNAP and some farm programs. It's a ton of programs that affect every part of our lives, and we need them to know that so that the public can have a better idea of what they can pick and choose from because they do have limited time. So if you're in that position of power, it's really important that you understand it holistically. But if you're an advocate just looking for a way to plug in, then I encourage people, you know, pick the part that resonates with you because you only have so much time and act on that. Um, I had the good fortune yesterday, um, someone in my session was Chef Paul Riley from Beast and Bottle, and I had an amazing dinner there last night. It was awesome. Um, and we were talking, and he was like, same thing. You know, I, I went to the James Beard Boot Camp. Um, there's so much information. I want to participate, but I don't even know where to start. And um, there was something in our session that we talked about, the value-added producer grant program. And that's a program that's very small money-wise, doesn't cost very much, but does a ton of good. And it basically, um, it does a lot, but in summary, it allows farmers to add value to their products. So to turn apples to applesauce or cheese or butter or jam and really get a lot more of the food dollar. Also helps them do marketing like, um, like Denver local label that might help them get some more money. And so that program's under threat and that's really important to Chef Paul because he really supports the, the Denver farmers markets and that's something that he can glom onto and say, okay, I get this. I see how it would affect um, the things I care about and that's a thing that maybe I can take forward then. That's awesome. So how, if someone picks a project like that and they want to support it and they, should they, what's the best course of action? Should they call their congresspeople? Should they? 
Yeah, um, I mean, this is a really important time. So they're going to conference. You never do know with Congress. Uh, some folks are really promising that everything's going to happen really fast. And some other folks are saying, oh, man, we might not even get this done on time. The, um, the, the previous farm bill expires on September 30th. Mm -hmm. So we have to really check every day to see how the timing's going. But yeah, call, calling... Literally calling, using your telephone, is the, really the best thing you can do. Um, I know it's tempting to, to sign on to a list or to send an email, but um, every phone call you make gets logged. There is a staffer or maybe a congressional intern, and they have to write it down and they enter it. And so that information goes to that Congress member. Um, if you have a Congress member that's on the Agriculture Committee, wow, even better. Like, definitely harass them even more. But because this is going to conference, everyone will have a, have a say. So no matter where you're at, um, calling your member and just saying, hey, I know the farm bill's coming up. I just want you to know that I really care about uh, the value-added producer grant program or, or, or I really care about programs that support beginning farmers. Okay, great. Like, that's, that's worth knowing for them. Con concrete examples of what you're what you care about yeah is important if you have if you have done some research if maybe you've gone on the NSAC website or you um, sign up for our newsletter we are a great source of information um, we do our best like I said to kind of translate it and make the information accessible but we have a ton of info and um, through the policy committee so does slow food USA so there's a lot of good info on slow food USA's website now they have a policy page um, so if you have a program yeah if you're like hey this beginning farmer and rancher program, I care about it. That's awesome. But even if you just call and say, I want to know, what does the Congress member think about conservation? Like, how is he or she supporting conservation programs? That's still good, too. So what else do you have uh, coming up this weekend? What are you participating in while you're here in Denver? Uh, after this, I have a talk at the Food for Change tent, which I should probably find, at 1 p.m. And we're going to do, again, a really high-level Farm Bill 101, um, hopefully answer questions anyone has. And then um, I'm going to go at 4, my policy committee uh, fellow, Kevin Scribner, is doing a slow fish and aquaculture talk at 4. And he is so inspiring whenever he talks about fish. I don't deal with fish, but he's always inspiring me. So I'm going to go see that at 4. And then I think um, the rest of today, I'm just going to pop into things and enjoy the beautiful weather and the, the beautiful food. Is this your first year at Slow Food Nations? No, I was fortunate to come in the first year last year, um, presented with the policy committee and had an amazing time. So I'm, I'm really excited. And hopefully this year I'll get to uh, hook up with some Turtle Island folks because I'll be going down to New Mexico. So that would be the, the cherry on my Sunday, but it's already been a great trip and, you know, excited. For people who aren't familiar with the term Slow Food uh, Turtle Island, what is that? So, um... Slow food members from indigenous communities throughout, the, throughout North America have banded together under the umbrella Turtle Island, which um, throws back to a lot of native creation stories about um, in North America or even Earth being on the back of a giant turtle. But they have worked together to represent the indigenous voice. And like I said yesterday, gave an amazing presentation at the end of the delegate day. So um, they're doing amazing work. They're really representing native communities. And um, it's been great to follow them and sort of learn from what they're talking about. Awesome. Well, Rihanna, thank you so much for joining us, telling us about the Farm Bill, yeah. the work that INSAC is doing in conjunction with Slow Food, and all the great things that you're up to this weekend. Um, thanks for stopping by to talk with us. Yeah, thank you. So that was Rihanna Kowalsik. And... Um, I also want to give a shout out to our sponsors who have made our coverage of Slow Food Nations possible. Thank you to Hearst Ranch Beef, to the Julia Child Foundation, as well as Julie Schaefer. Uh, we will be back shortly. We are going to have Tara Rodriguez-Besosa uh, in conversation with Hannah Forden. So come back and see us at noon.